0: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, December the 5th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always... I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are previewing Dolphins and Jets on Sunday. Are the Finns about to go on a winning streak? Plus, a bevy of roster moves on Wednesday continues in Miami's quest to play more players than anybody else in the National Football League this season. And we'll talk about some alternatives to Tua Tungavailoa and the importance of building a program around a coach and quarterback who are on the same page as Tua is set to announce something today. All of that and more, but first before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL voted, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, check out lockedondolphins.com. We have the written preview up on the website right now, as well as some work from Jason Harina talking about going after quarterbacks over a pass rusher in this year's draft. Let's go ahead and jump right in. The Dolphins have played 72 players this season, and that is by far... The most players utilized in the NFL this year. I tweeted that it reminded me of the 2010 and 2011 Seahawks when both John Schneider and Pete Carroll were trying to find the right guys to be Seahawks. What does it take to be a Seahawk? And now look at that team. That's the vision Stephen Ross has for this Dolphins team. He wants a club that doesn't just pop up with the occasional 11-win season every few years. He wants a team that joins the elites, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Patriots, the teams that are there every season year. Of course, who doesn't want that, right? But part of getting that is getting the right head coach and quarterback combination, and one of the keys to doing that is getting two people who are alike in both the way they work and the way they have their personality traits that make them tick. Gase and Tannehill were not alike at all. One was a salt-smelling, probably white powder-sniffing insomniac, while the other was the sitcom White Picket Fence golden retriever, eyesod shirt tucked into his khakis, dad look. And just to go back to Seattle, did you guys see the Russell Wilson mic'd up segment on Monday night? That dude is a leadership and cliche robot, just like Pete Carroll is. And there were former Seahawks, Michael Bennett, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, who were all great great players, legendary Seahawks, but they had said at a certain point that Pete Carroll's message was getting stale. Was it? Because the Hawks right now are 10 and 2, and probably my pick right now for the Super Bowl at this point, and they did it by reloading with guys that weren't nationally known, not household names, guys like Trey Flowers at cornerback, or trading for Quandre Diggs to come in and make a big hit in that game, just like Cam Chancellor did all those years in Seattle, or Jerron Reed and Mike Iupati in the trenches, under the radar names that come in and fill a specific role and act as true Seahawks and fit the program. It's all about that program. Once you get that established, you can then funnel players in that embody what it means to be a Miami Dolphin. And what it means to be a Miami Dolphin right now is to be tough and battle-tested and to work every single day as if your job depends on it. And perhaps a more applicable comparison for this, and this comes from my buddy on Twitter, Patrick Mullen. Thanks for the suggestion on this, Patrick. Is Dan Marino and Don Shula. Both were probably thought to be pricks by some teammates and people they worked with but that's just the guys that didn't want to work as hard as they did the quarterback being an extension of the head coach and his personality goes a long way not just as a coach but in that personality and to me no one is more of that to brian flores than Tua Tungavailoa. He's measured, he's thoughtful, very genuine and caring, and you can tell that he just exuberates confidence and friendliness in his personality, and I'm sure you've all seen it by now. Tua went on record saying that he doesn't know what he's going to do at this point, even stating that the business side of the decision and his family's own thoughts on the decision was weighing on him, basically to paraphrase it, saying the difference in the top half of the first round and the money you get from getting drafted in the top 15 compared to the money you get going in the bottom 15 of the first round is significant and that's part of the decision he has to make so could Miami give Tua a handshake agreement that promises him that he won't make it past Miami's pick in the top of that first round according to Dane Brugler I hope I got that right of the athletic no there's no chance of that he says because nobody knows when Tua is going to be healthy and even Tua made that comment that NFL teams not doctors NFL teams don't know when Tuatunga-Vailoa is going to be healthy, so there's no way they can know because his declaration deadline is January 20th, and this guy's probably not going to be playing football again until... After the draft, mini camp, training camp, probably not even to that point. So we will see what Tua's announcement is today. The Crimson Tide beat says it's not going to be any breaking news, which is news to me because why would you hold a press conference if you're not going to break some news? But we'll be refreshing Twitter all day long. That presser is at 2.30. I don't think it's available for you to watch it, but I'll have you guys updated on that On my Twitter timeline, it could be Tua with that pick in the top 10. It could be the supplemental draft route, which would actually be perfect because if the Dolphins did get Tua in June's supplemental draft, that draft pick comes from 2021 and that pick could be much, much later than this year's pick, which figures to come into the top 10, probably still into the top five. And if this team happens to turn it over overnight and goes to the playoffs, all of a sudden you're talking about a pick in the 20s that nets you to a tongue of And you can get three players of high caliber in this year's draft class in the first round and get Tua on top of that because he takes away next year's first round pick. That would be ideal. I don't see it happening. I think it's too out there, but it would be ideal. And it's something certainly interesting to ponder. But, What if it's not Tua at the quarterback position? What are the other options this Dolphins team has to choose from? I think we start with next year's draft class. If Tua goes back to school, oh buddy, you are talking about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Tua Tungavailoa all in the same draft class. That's more pedigree than the 1983 draft had. I know we're not going to get Hall of Famers out of that class like we did in 83 most likely, but the pedigree coming out of the draft would be better with Fields, Tungavailoa, and Lawrence. It also means the 2019 class is even worse than last year's 2018 class Kyler Murray was an elite elite prospect but there was nobody else Hell, Daniel Jones has about 87 turnovers this season. Who didn't see that coming, right? So while it would suck to kick the can down the road once more at quarterback, I think you'd have to be pretty excited about the two first-round picks, and I'm sure they'll add more value to that next year by using this year's current draft bounty to trade back and add more picks next season in a class that has three, in my opinion, elite prospects. And it could be more with Jordan Love or Jake Fromm going back to school and coming out after their fourth year in college. And what about Jordan Love? does he go back to school because if he doesn't and Tua does He remains my favorite pick at the end of the first round. I am intrigued by Tyler Huntley, maybe on day three. Jalen Hurts can't throw the damn ball, but it looks more and more like to to me that the NFL is moving in a direction where you can win around a running quarterback, so maybe you do go in that direction, but that to me means you have to tailor your entire offense around Jalen Hurts, and I'm not sure if they're ready to do that yet. I don't want any part of Jacob Eason, and you guys know how I feel about the veteran options, Cam Newton and Gardner Minshew. Do the Jags trade Minshew and try to get a valuable resource to protect their big investment in Nick Foles they still owe him a ton of money I don't think he'll be available but it's worth picking up the phone and checking in on Minshew Philip Rivers nah I'd rather roll with Fitzpatrick than him what if the Raiders move on from Derek Carr I don't think he's tough enough mentally to play for Brian Flores what about bringing Ryan Tannehill back that just can't happen plus he's probably gonna get the franchise tag in Tennessee anyway Andy Dalton eh I think you just go back to 2021. If Tua goes back to school, it's going to suck. But we have to have patience because you can't get this decision wrong. It has to be right. And so don't go in on the quarterback unless you think that he's the guy. That's the play, the right play. And speaking of the right play, if you're the type of football fan that knows the game so well, you can choose any game and call who's going to win it then you got to check out MyBookie because it's the place where you could turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college hoops, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little bit and win a lot, try a parlay like Josh Shaw. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much better bigger payout so if you're going to bet football this season do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win than they do if you join right now my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word. To take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer, visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. amidst all the potential mock drafts and big draft news that could come out today we have a game to play on Sunday in fact there are four more Dolphins games left and the Dolphins are dogs heading into the Meadowlands for this one against the New York Jets could be without Jamal Adams in this game and the biggest news for the Dolphins opponent next week is that it sounds like it could be Eli Manning riding once more for the Giants as Daniel Jones has a high ankle sprain was in a walking boot at practice on Wednesday he could possibly miss that game next week against the Dolphins so Eli Freaking Manning could be quarterbacking the Jets next week. The Jets, the Giants next week when the Dolphins go back to the Meadowlands for their second straight trip. But before we talk about that in a week, let's talk now about the Dolphins at the Jets. It's a chance for Miami to get their fifth straight win over this Jets team. The game is at Sunday at one o'clock, 42 degrees, partly cloudy, and the Dolphins are five and a half point dogs which is honestly a little bit surprising to me. I know this Dolphins roster doesn't have the talent the Jets do, and they are on the road, but still, all things considered, the Jets just lost to the Bengals, and that was the most Adam Gase thing imaginable, wasn't it? win three straight games, go on the road with a chance really to get the game over the winless Bengals and then beat the Dolphins at home. And all of a sudden the Jets could have been six and seven, but nope, that's not how Adam Gaze rolls. They fall to four and eight. And now both these teams will play in a relevant game here on December the 8th. And the Dolphins can actually leapfrog the Jets in the AFCE standings because of a tiebreaker that goes to them for a sweep, which would be the second year in a row the Dolphins swept the Jets and three of the last four. So that's always fun to talk about. And this Dolphins roster comes in made up of 42% undrafted free agents where the Jets are the exact opposite of that In a team that went into free agency and signed guys like C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell. Last year I had Tremaine Johnson on the docket, tried to get Anthony Barr, and yet these two teams are on the exact same plane. I think before the season I predicted both the Jets and Dolphins would finish 5-11, and that's looking pretty likely at this stage, so pretty hilarious. Now, the Dolphins are fans and media alike are thinking this team could go on a run because of the improbable win over the Eagles on Sunday as eight and a half point dogs, but still they're going to be dogs in the next two games because they are on the road. I suspect it'll be favorites against the Bengals. And then of course, huge dogs on the road against the Patriots. And my biggest my biggest holdup for this game, or the next three games, I should say, is that I want the Dolphins, if they're going to win, to do it in impressive fashion. Like, don't get in there and win a game because the Jets missed a field goal, field goal, or botched a snap, or just don't make it a lucky win, like the ones that Gase always got as a Dolphins head coach. If you're going to beat these teams, go in there and get Devonte Parker eight catches for a buck fifty. Have Mike Gesicki put up another ninety-five yard day, more than any yardage day that Dallas Goddard has ever had in his entire career. Go in there with a good defensive game plan that shows you pass rush from Christian Wilkins and has Devon Godshaw stuffing the run. I want to see dominance if they're going to do it. Otherwise, it's not worth the cost of the draft position. But then again, I'm still conflicted because if this Dolphins team finishes 6-10 and with this freaking roster... Brian Flores deserves a statue outside of Hard Rock Stadium, and it's going to be the destination to play in Miami with all that cap space, all those draft picks. Guys like Jadavion Clowney, who said, I was not interested in going to Miami because they wanted to tank for a quarterback. Guys like that will then say, well, they're building something special down there. Maybe I do want to be a part of that. But as for the game on Sunday, you guys know the story. You know this Jets team. You know Sam Darnold. You know Adam Gase. They ran 68% of their plays prior to the first game in Miami from 11 personnel. That number has gone way back up to 80% so very little versatility in an Adam Gase offense the same is true of the running scheme it's a lot of outside zone complemented by split zone last year the Dolphins got more creative in the running game than they were the previous two years under Adam Gase but that was mostly because of running backs coach and run game coordinator Eric Studsville he of course is still with the Miami Dolphins but it's all about getting those three by one sets three man route combinations Gase believes that he can free up anybody in the route combination based upon his scheme and how he attacks the defense by sitting over on the bench and drawing up Sudoku plays while the defense is on the field. So that'll be their plan. They rank 31st in total offense, 30th in rushing, 31st in passing, and 28th in scoring offense. On the other side of the ball, Greg Williams might be the only NFL personality who's more stubborn than Adam Gase. Now, he operates primarily from a 3-4 base, but the Jets often leave two or three linebackers on the field, regardless of the offensive personnel, antiquated style of defense. We talked about it before the first Jets game, how Mike Gesicki could get off because of that, and I expect the same thing to happen here. Now, he will send pressure and lots of different pressure looks at the quarterback. They're going to blitz. They are the fifth most blitzing defense in the NFL at a clip of 38.4%, 0% pressure with no safety help and using Jamal Adams if he's healthy and plays in a variety of roles down by the line of scrimmage. They want to create one-on-one opportunities inside for guys like Quinn and Williams and outside for guys like Jordan Jenkins. The Jets rank sixth in total defense, first in rushing defense, 19th in passing, and 19th in scoring defense. Darnold enters this game averaging 1.59 potential turnovers per game. And when I say potential, that means he has 25 picks and 10 fumbles. Fumbles don't always go as turnovers, but if you fumble the ball, that is a potential turnover. So he has 25 interceptions, 10 fumbles in his career in just 22 games. That's not very good. And seven of those picks came against the Dolphins, including that egregious decision he made last time around down around the goal line on that pick to Jamal Wilts. And I keep going back to the thought that this Dolphins defense and this scheme is a lot like the one that Donald saw ghosts against against the New England Patriots. Now, granted, this team doesn't have anywhere near the talent of that Patriots defense, but that's why they could stand to have another good showing here on the road against Sam Darnold. For him, he's going to have to use his eyes and his hips and his feet to move the defense off their spots, and he could do that with a good pass protection, even though the Jets' offensive line's terrible, the Dolphins' pass rush is not good. So if they can't get home, because last game, they got him down three times on sacks, if they can't do that in this game, he's going to have all day back there to scan the defense, and he'll make you pay that way, primarily going to Jamison Crowder up against, I would assume, Jamal Wiltz here in the slot he's their best receiver even though Robbie Anderson is still there he's not very reliable Jamison Crowder is the one you have to watch he had that touchdown on the Jets first drive last time around and this offensive line it's the only one in the league probably as bad as Miami's they signed guys like Ryan Khalil and Alex Lewis traded for Colegio Osemele very Adam Gase type of things, and of course now all those guys banged up, injured, or not playing well. Just a very Adam Gase thing to do. On the other side of the ball, we'll see if Jamal Adams is healthy and ready to go. I doubt he will be. It sounds like he is week to week right now on the injury report and has not practiced yet this week. His counterpart, Marcus May, is having a strong 2019 season, especially in coverage, but once you get back into the deep secondary, if you break a couple of tackles and get yourself that far, Marcus May is a shaky tackler in his own right. Up front, Quinnen Williams and Steve McClendon are both absolute mountains and I think they could give Daniel Kilgore some issues because he does not deal with size all that well or really athleticism all that well and the same is true of rookie Falarunzo Faracusi I think I got that one right he's been a very efficient run defender for the Jets defense and on the back end Tremaine Johnson Daryl Roberts they are terrible on the edge which means that Devontae Parker could be in for a big day but Brian Poole in the slot has been a nice surprise for them he is very good in that slot position so the opportunities for the Dolphins to win this game it goes right back to the guys we just talked about Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki because they put up big numbers last time they played, and Preston Williams was the biggest of those guys. He now will be out, but Parker up against Johnson or Dell Roberts with Gasicky drawing James Burgess in coverage or Marcus May even, that's not going to go well for the Jets. I think Miami could score some points on these guys, but also keep an eye on Alan Hearns because if Greg Williams wants to blitz like crazy, they could just get the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hands quickly and go in the slot to Alan Hearns. On the other side of the ball, it's all about getting Darnold to turn the ball over like he likes to do. That's the key for Miami. Perhaps this this is the chance for the Dolphins pass rush to get healthy, as of course we stated earlier, they got him down for three sacks last time around. The concerns out here again is how the Dolphins can handle being one-dimensional on offense for another week. We know this team can't run the ball, they can't really block all that well, and right now they're down to several guys on the back end of the depth chart at the running back position. Even though Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin, in my opinion, and probably all of your opinions too, is better or are better than Kalen Bellage but being that one-dimensional, you can't do that every single week so we'll see if maybe playing outdoors in some possible bad weather could be a problem for Ryan Fitzpatrick and then on the other side of the ball if Darnold has time to throw he's going to pick the Dolphins defense apart gotta get pressure on him but this matchup is really the antithesis of an immovable object and the unstoppable force in the Jets offensive line and the Dolphins pass rush something has to give the projected outcome for me here I expect Adam Gase to pull out his best game plan of the season they're much different at home under Adam Gase than they are on the road their last home game was a drubbing of the Oakland Raiders and the Dolphins reliance on a passing game in the cold weather could be problematic. I think this game turns into a shootout, stays close to the end, but I'm going Jets 30, Dolphins 28. So we compete, but we don't get the win. Maybe they're the best of both worlds there as the Jets take their first game over the Dolphins in a couple of years. And if you so happen to be traveling to this game up in New York, I want to tell you guys about a good travel program and away away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world for $20 off a suitcase, visit away travel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. was a busy day on Wednesday for the Miami Dolphins making all kinds of roster moves and that's kind of been the case all season long as they continue their chopping block mentality of the roster with a bevy of moves on Tuesday and Wednesday. By the end of this season we are likely to have something like 80 players on this Dolphins team take a snap. That would be by far the most in the National Football League and unfortunately for me a player that I thought would be here maybe even for the long term and compete for a starting job this year and be part of the future next season was Chris 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 Reed, he has been waived. He never really got much of a chance to play here. Got a few reps here and there. I thought he was impressive when he played, but he is now gone. And so was Montre Hardage. He was waived on Tuesday, but he's almost certainly going to be coming back to the practice squad. He gets a one-game promotion. Kalen Balazs, the running back, placed on injured reserve. We talked about that yesterday. 1.82 yards per carry he finishes the season with. Horrible, horrible stat there. And then cornerback Ken Crawley was also waived. I think there was an injury distinction with that as well. Those four moves opened up roster spots, and here are the men that will replace those four guys on the Dolphins' active roster, wide receiver Trevor Davis. He is six foot one, 190. This is his third team since coming into the league in 2016 with the Green Bay Packers. He has eight catches in 11 games this year. He's played 40 career games. He's never scored a touchdown and had a career-high 24 catches and 289 yards in 2017. He was a fifth-round pick out of Cal, for the Packers in 2016 and he can flat scoot man 44 2 40 yard dash 38 and a half inch vertical so he has the absurd numbers and measurables to go along with a 6.63 cone time he can really move and that is true of the other receiver. The Dolphins add two receivers on Wednesday and both of them can go. Wide receiver Mac Hollins was cut by the Philadelphia Eagles and picked up off waivers by your Miami Dolphins. He was a 2018 fourth round pick from the University of North Carolina. Daniel Jeremiah loved his special teams tape. And you guys know how I feel about DJ. And that's what he was in Philadelphia. He's a lean speedster that wants to get vertical, but he hasn't been consistent enough in the rest of his game and the rest of the route tree to make that happen. And speed re- Receivers usually do pretty well in a mesh-heavy offense, and that's what Philadelphia runs. But he didn't make that happen. And a mesh offense is just two guys that basically do crossing routes across the formation, and then you have hookups behind that high-low type of read, drive concepts, that type of thing. And that's great for speed receivers against man coverage because the best way to lose a man in cut co- in man coverage is to run fast a long distance, and that's what the mesh concepts tend to do. There was a blue check mark on Twitter. I forget who it was, so my apologies for that. But he said that he expects. Mac Hollins, to become a core special teamer for the Miami Dolphins. That would be a big win to get him right now at this point of the season. Evan Brown was also signed off the Giants practice squad. He is a center, six two, three 303 pounds. He played three special team snaps this year. I would assume that came on the field goal team, and that was the only game he played this year for the Giants against the New York Jets of all teams. He was undrafted out of SMU Southern Methodist in 2018, and that's about all I have to say about that. Don't know a whole lot about Evan Brown. Maybe we'll get a look at him Sometime this season, the fourth signing was a running back. Got to get more guys in the running back roster because right now, It's just Patrick Laird, a.k.a. White Lightning, a.k.a. The Intern, and his fellow rookie, Miles Gaskin from Washington, and DeLance Turner are the only backs on the roster, so Zach Zenner joins them. He goes 224 pounds, and the Dolphins are his fourth team of his career, although he did have two stints each with both the Cardinals and the Saints. You might recall him breaking onto the scene at the end of that 2016 season with Detroit, but even then, with a career-high 88 carries, he averaged less than four yards per carry at 3.8, He has three carries in four games this year. I would not expect much of this guy other than being a guy that rounds out the back end of the roster. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and cut this one short because I am feeling like crap once again. We will do a mailbag podcast tomorrow. No college fo- uh, college football Friday since the season is over, and that makes me very, very, very sad. But enjoy championship weekend. That Pac-12 title game on Friday should be the best one, in my opinion, of the entire bunch. Two physical football teams in Utah and Oregon. And I know Paul Feinbaum says America does not want Utah in the college football playoff, but he should really speak for himself because Utah is well-coached. They have an NFL quarterback prospect, a star running back, and probably seven or eight players on that defense that will go to the NFL and a bunch of good linemen up front on offense as well so Utah is awesome don't think poorly about them because of Paul Feinbaum check that game out I've got Utah winning Clemson duh LSU Oklahoma and Ohio State again duh in the championship games really going out on a limb I know all right guys let's go ahead and get out of here you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. we back tomorrow for a mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.